our lesson for you. That's you. Put it on there. Okay. Do you want to use this? Or just the clippers? Just the clippers. Okay, great. Come on, Chad. How are we doing, Grand Rapids Church? Good morning. Like Ben said, my name's Chad. Some of you know me. Some of you have never seen me before. Um, Ben and I have been really good friends for like 20-something years, roommates and back in the day, and stood up at each other's weddings, um, and I just, I appreciate an opportunity to be here. I think this is probably like my third time preaching here. This might actually be the first time I've preached when you guys were here. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm really excited about that. So I get the opportunity both to spend the weekend with Ben and Jen and to preach to, to the church here in Grand Rapids. So that's like super awesome double blessing. Um, so first off, I wanted to turn on the, okay. Am I not switching? First off, I want to get this clicker working. That's it. We good? All right, cool. I just wanted to bring you greetings, like my wife. That was my wife who did the welcome. So wanted to bring you greetings from uh, Ann Arbor Church. So yes, there is a church in Ann Arbor. So we uh, rebranded, Ben and Jen left, and then you know, we got some new leaders in, and we, we kind of rebranded, right? And so if you're looking for us, we are Ann Arbor Church. And on the internet, it is annarborchurch.com. Believe it or not, that web domain was still available. <laughs> We were fired up. So I told Kyle, our, uh, our new evangelist, I'm like, dude, I will buy that web domain if nobody does. So, uh, so well, uh, sorry, greetings from Ann Arbor. We're super excited to be here. So please come visit us in Ann Arbor. We'd be happy to have you. Some of you guys have come, and it's always awesome. So today we're going to talk about shining in a dark place, okay? My favorite thing to talk about is light, Okay? Uh, as, a, from a prof- as a profession, I'm a teacher, and I also, I teach, um, I teach video production, okay? Light is very important when it comes to video production. You know, Ben and I were talking yesterday, Ben, you know, by trade is a photographer, all right, as, mo- as most of you know, and uh, we were talking, I'm like, bro, I need to get your advice, and I said, it's nothing deep, it's nothing deep. But I need to get your advice about some lights. And he's like, bro, lighting is very deep. <laughs> so be mindful today that the light is very deep, okay? So we're going to be talking about shining in a dark place. I hear you guys have been studying the book of Ephesians, yeah. right? And uh, our original plan was to come last week. And Ben had asked me to preach when I came. And I was like, sweet, I'll get to preach Ephesians 4. That's my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. And then, because of some things, we had to come this week instead. And so, but you guys got Tom Wilson, so that's, that's even better. Amen? Love Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson married us. So, so we're going to pick it up. Just a quick review, right? Paul concludes chapter 4 by laying down the law of personal relationships. Okay? And so about treating others as Jesus treated us, right? So that, that can be difficult, right? 
And so he gives us more practicals and kind of lays it out a little more, goes a little more into detail into chapter 5, right? So, but the point of this is that you guys have learned that the first half of Ephesians is kind of setting up the theological side of what it means to be the church, right? And then as you got into chapter 4, 5, and 6, it's more about the, uh, the actual practicals or what, what it will look, what that will actually look like amongst the members of the body of Christ. And so the point of this, though, is that behavior matters, right? Like there was this line of teaching uh, in the first century, and, and, and even to this day, like it follows through like this, the study or the teachings of the Gnostics, where what you do doesn't matter because the flesh counts for nothing. But what that does, it takes, it, 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 it very, in, in, in a lot of ways, that very much takes the cross of Christ out of things too, right? The power of the resurrection. Like it can take the power of that stuff away because what we do matters. Behavior matters. Pick it up in uh, verse 1, chapter 5. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and uh, 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 sacrifice to God. Okay, so I want to talk about this following God's example, okay? Uh, some earlier versions of the NIV say be imitators of God, right? So there's this word, right? Like the, so following God's example. So the word in the Greek is this. It's, it's mimesis, okay? So mimesis means imitation, right? So imitation. Imitation gets a bad rap, right? Because who likes imitation sweetener, right? <laughs> Nobody likes that because imitation sweetener, that leaves a bad taste in your mouth, right? But we want to be original. We want to be authentic, right? I don't want to be copying somebody. But what, if, but what if it's God? Even God sometimes, right? I don't want to do it just because God did it, or just because the Bible said it, or just because Jesus did it. I want to be my own man, you know, a trailblazer, right? I want to be authentic, but we're called to be imitators. So the way you get better, I don't know if you can see this image, it's uh, Daniel and Mr. Miyagi from uh, the Karate Kid, but the way to get better than your own personal best is to imitate a master, right? All of the greats have imitated someone greater than them or someone who went ahead of them, and then that's how you got better, right? I mean, I'm not saying we'll ever be better than Jesus, right? But even Jesus did say, you'll do greater things than these. So, Jaron Singh came and preached for us last week, and he said something that I, 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 uh, I found quite profound and, and really touched me. It's like, Jesus' love for people stems from, the, from his relationship with God. In turn, our love for people should also stem from uh, our, my lips. Sorry, in turn, I think I didn't type this right. So, <laughs> but my relationship with God, I'm sorry, my love for people should stem from my relationship with God. So, sorry, Jaron, if you hear this, I misquoted you. Sorry about that. Uh, but do you get the point? Like, when he first said that, it rubbed me the wrong way. I felt like, what, I can't love people without, you know, I can't love, my first thought was, thought was, I can't love people without thinking about the way God loves them. 
And then I came to my senses and I realized, wow, that's a really stupid thought. But a lot of us in our, in our flesh, we think this way. Or we try to do things without that strength of God. We try to do things without looking at, like, what was Jesus' example? And how did he do it? I forget that a lot. I forget that a lot in my life. And it talks a lot, or in the beginning it says that, it, it spells it out about Jesus, like following his example of loving people. Right? And Jesus' example of loving people was sacrifice. Right? The, 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 you know, we, we, we say that a lot in the church, right? I tell people I love them all the time. Right? But how much of that is lip service? And how much of it is my willingness to sacrifice for them? Am I willing to sacrifice my time, my energy, my resources? Even my own life. Ben and I were talking about this yesterday, like, Years ago, we did this, uh, there was a brother in the church who uh, was dying, and, uh, and he needed a um, uh, bone marrow transplant, right? And so in the church, we did this uh, bone marrow drive, where they prick your finger, and they, you know, you go in this registry of um, bone marrow donors, potentially, who could be called upon to donate bone marrow, and like, most of the church showed up for this thing, you know, and it's like, this was super encouraging, but to, uh, that was one part, but then you would get called upon potentially, like, as a match. Now, if you were a match, your life was about to get super inconvenient, you know, it's very uncomfortable, it hurts to do this, this isn't just like, you know, donating blood at the Red Cross, it's a lot more painful than that, and so, like, even, I, like, I had to think, how willing would I have been to do that, you know? And I remember, I was in my, like, early 20s when we did this. And I remember getting a letter asking me, and I say to my shame, like, I just kind of ignored it. I, I, you know, it's one of those things, like, oh, I need to do this. I need to, I need to follow up on this. I need to, but I didn't, you know? And so, is my love sacrificial. And I can't honestly say that it always is. And I think we need to be sober in that and be honest about that, striving to get better, striving to change, but when we're, when we're in that position, bringing it into the light, okay? We're going to talk more about the light here in just a bit. In verse 3 it says, but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Okay? This is a passage I think most people in this room are probably familiar with. Okay? Is that, like, these things are improper, you know? Um, even like this, I always wonder, like, why is it like Im immorality and impurity and then greed is thrown in there? Right? And, and I don't, this isn't, the way the greed is used here isn't a greed like Ebenezer Scrooge kind of greed, okay? This is a, uh, it's a greed where there's this, like, insatiable desire, right? So where you just, you know, want more and more and more. So I'm going to share a little bit of insight into who I am and my past, okay? I, uh, I am, I'm, if you go on the, 
Detroit Church of Christ website, uh, and you look for, re- and under the, I think it's under resources, it says purity, help with purity stuff, right? And my, I think my phone number, I think my phone, phone number and email address are on there. And so you don't get, let me just tell you, you don't get to be that guy with his name and phone number on that website because you're always awesome at that thing, okay? I, my, I am like one of the most failed people when it comes to purity, Okay, and I understand this greed and an insatiable lust for more. Okay, like when you come to things, things like an addiction to internet pornography, right? There is this like, always want to see more, always want to see more, always want to see more. Like just what you've already seen hasn't been enough. You got to look at more. And that's the kind of lifestyle and the kind of actions that, you know, in the lives of the people that, uh, that Paul is referring to here. Here we go. It starts off and it says a hint, right? Don't let there be a hint of this stuff. And so what's a hint? You know, they give it this water now. There's this water called hint, right? Like a hint of blackberry or a hint of watermelon or, you know, a hint of cucumber. And so once upon a time, uh, my wife's sister <laughs> bought us this Bought us this apple cider that was, it was apple cider, it was blueberry apple cider. I was so excited. I'm like, blueberry apple cider, this sounds delicious. And she was so excited to give it to us, and we got some, and I had the first, like, I took the first sip of this, and I'm like, wow, this is so good. And then afterwards, I exhaled. And I'm like, this stuff tastes like mustard. And, I, and I, I mean, I tried to be nice about it. And I, I told them, I'm like, guys, I appreciate your hearts to get this for us and to, you know, give us this gift and share this, but it tastes like mustard. And I didn't, it didn't taste it, it. I couldn't taste it at first, but it was like, you know, like when you, like that, you drink something or eat something and then afterwards you exhale and it's just like there. Oh. So they're like, no, it's not. It doesn't taste like that. And then... And they tried it after I said it. And they're like, dang it, you ruined it for us. <laughs> Tastes like mustard. In the moment, drinking that cider, it didn't necessarily taste like mustard. Right? But afterwards, the exhale, the essence, the aftertaste was a mustard. And it's the same way in our lives, Right? Like, don't let there be a hint of sexual immorality or impurity or a lust for more. And maybe, maybe you know, sexual desire is not your thing. Maybe it's something more. Maybe it's something different. Maybe it's gambling. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's shopping. Maybe it's what, you know, insert what your thing is here. And is there a hint of sin? Is it hinting at that? So Paul, when he's talking about this immorality stuff, right, he's laying down moral laws that would have seemed outrageous to the Greeks, okay? Like, this was not something they would have been used to hearing. This was a totally new teaching. Chastity and abstinence would have been seen as overdoing it. Marital faithfulness was uncommon. You were expected to have 
a mistress. There was this new movement amongst the Romans of the new Roman woman, where even married Roman women would have younger men courting them. So chastity and abstinence, this was radical, unheard of. So, when we're looking at sin, right, it's like we can think, okay, there's the line of sin. I'm going to dangle my foot over the line of sin. We do that, right? We're like, well, I'm not really sinning because I'm not really touching that. I'm not really falling off. But sin isn't like that, right? So if I'm just standing there, if I can see the sin, I'm looking the wrong way, right? The direction of righteousness is, it's about direction and trajectory. It's not about, it's not about like, well, there's the sin. I'm not quite in sin. I'll go right up to the line of it, and I'm still okay. But if I can see that line, I'm looking the wrong way. Verse 4, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which were out of place, but rather thanksgiving, okay? So the, the obscenity, like we think of obscenities, we think of cuss words, right? So what were the cuss words when Paul was, when Paul was saying this? I don't know. But it's, it's, about, it's about, like, what are the words that are going to give you that rise, okay? What are the words that are going to uh, make you feel that, that rush, right? So I wanted to put this picture here because when I was in college, I studied broadcasting, Okay? And I had a radio show at Eastern Michigan University. And actually, I had one at Central Michigan, too. And in the studio was this list of words you couldn't say. Right? So don't say these words. If you say these words, we're going to get an FCC fine. Okay? So don't say these words. You'll, you know, you can even lose your, you can lose your, your, uh, your slot on the radio. So we can quickly think, well, here's the list of words I can't say. So I'm just not going to say those words. But we can work our way around and talk about concepts that maybe involve those concepts but not actually say the words. And we kind of like, that's walking up to the line and not actually jumping off, not stepping over. Guys, words have power. Okay? Why don't we use, you know, why don't we use, or why do we use profanity when we're angry? Why do we use profanity when we're scared or when we're hurt, you know? You ever stubbed your toe and something kind of just popped out? First time I ever heard my, uh, we have a good friend, Jason, right? First time I ever heard Jason swear, he was on a prayer walk. (laughs) Walking around the pond of the apartment where Ben and I used to live. He's walking around the pond, and there were geese, right? The Canadian geese were walking, and... Jason got a little, wasn't paying attention, got a little too close to one of these, one of these geese, and Jason's praying, kind of like just got his head, he's really into it, like just fired up about his prayer, and this goose just like, <laughs> never heard Jay swear until then, so, <laughs> because like something rose up inside of him, right, like it, there was this release that occurred, and so when we're scared, or when we're angry, or when we're hurt, We say these words because there's this endorphin release in our brain. All right, there's these chemicals that are released. And it's the same way, uh, so there was a study done in uh, in the UK. 
there was a, a professor, and he was doing some home improvement, something or another, and he smashed his thumb with a hammer, blurted out a cuss word, and he realized he felt better. Now, he's like, maybe there's something to this. So he actually conducted a study where he had, a, you know, these college students put their hands in buckets of ice, and some of them could say certain expletives, and some of them couldn't. And he wanted to see how long they could keep their hands in. Right? And the ones who could say the expletives blew, blew the, other, the other group away. Then they're like, well, maybe it's just the, the sounds of... So what if we make up these, these, these made-up words that sound kind of like profanity, but aren't necessarily the same thing? made no difference. The, 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 the ones that were made-up words only lasted as long as the ones who didn't say anything. It's because words have power. And they create this, uh, this that we associate words with things, like feelings and emotion and experience, right? And because there's just something even tempting and, 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 and exhilarating about um, the, the, the forbidden. And it's been like that since the Garden of Eden. Things like teasing, teasing, complaining, gossip, arguing, reprimanding, sarcasm, all release endorphins in your brain that turn you into a person that you do not want to be when you are in your right mind. But instead, you know, or like well, the question passes, like, well, do these things come from love? Right? Winning an argument. I love winning an argument. Ben pointed out, couple years ago, my main sin in life is I am a knowledge broker because my knowledge of stuff is so important to me. And I need to be, because it, it makes me so prideful and so arrogant and, and, it, and I can hurt people with it. And um, so what, for me, I just want to be right. So I'll just argue a point until I'm right, until I just like mic drop, boom, you know? But what, that does, what does that do to my relationships? It destroys my relationships. People don't feel loved when I drop the mic on them. My love is supposed to be like Jesus's, and I'm supposed to imitate his love. So these things don't come from love. But instead, what Paul says is what needs to come out of your mouth is thanksgiving. So gratitude. So there's this brother that I can't remember ever having anyone in my life who I disagreed with more, especially who was a Christian, okay? But we disagreed on everything. Like, we didn't always trust each other. We would sit and talk and talk and try to get to the end of it, like, to, just, like, to resolve things, and it just never seemed like we ever could get to the end of it. But then, at one point, I realized, one night, I was driving home, it was... We had, a, we had had a heated conversation, and I'm driving home, and I get in my parking lot, and I just get out of the car, and I just go for a prayer walk. And I decided I'm going to pray and just thank God for all of the ways in which this brother has helped me. I'm going to thank God for all of the ways that I see him participating and cr- contributing to the church, all of the ways I've seen him grow, all of this. I'm just going to 
pour out gratitude for this dude. And I tell you what happened. My heart towards him changed forever. He stood up in my wedding. So, because the, the chemicals that we experience, like oxytocin, right? You guys familiar with that? Like, it's, that lo- it's like the lovey-dovey, you know, the lovey-dovey uh, feelings that we get. That, when you're in the midst of that, it's a lot easier to control, to call, to call, it's a lot easier to be in control and self-controlled than when you're in the midst of anger and rage, right? Or fear or anxiety. You ever tried to, like, somebody who was anxious and you just tried to, like, you just need to calm down. That doesn't work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or somebody's, like, angry and you're just like, bro, just calm down. That's the last thing you want to, you know, like, they just get, just get some more angry. Because, like, the, the way our brains are wired, I didn't do it. God, God made us the way he made us, right? But we need to be mindful of this so that we can be sober in those moments. Because God's calling out of, us out of it. So, because he's like, I don't want you to be the ones that are, like, talking about crazy stuff and, uh, you know, getting wrapped up in gossip or all these things. These are the things that the Bible says that we shouldn't be doing. He's like, but instead, how about you just talk about gratitude? How, much you, how about you just tell people about how much you, what you appreciate about them? That's, that's like one of the best ways to spend your time, is telling people how much you appreciate them. Praying to God about how much you appreciate the people that he's put in your life. Your family, the people in the church, even the people that do you wrong. So we pray and thank God. Even like something that he mentions here is joking about sin, right? I think it's real easy to joke about sin that we don't struggle with. But we also need to be mindful of our audience, right? Joking about things like drugs or drunkenness or joking about, uh, you know, we can joke about sex in ways that maybe we don't struggle with. Maybe we're joking about homosexuality, right? We joke about these things. Are we, you know, even joking about things as, as serious and gross as rape or child molestation, right? These are the kind of things that Paul is saying are, are improper. So is there a hint of sin? That's what I got to ask myself. Is there a hint? In my conversations, was there a hint of these things? I find myself going back after conversations regularly, just following up, even with Ben. Like I joked, you know, like when I got here Friday night, and I said, you know, I, said, you know, I came to town basically just to do your job for the weekend. <laughs> You know, we did the, we did the, we did the campus, my wife and I did the campus Devo, and I'm preaching on, preaching today, and I was joking with him, right? And he didn't really respond. (laughs) So yesterday, we're hanging out, and I'm like, bro, I just want to, I just want to, like, follow up. I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, or if I overstepped my bounds, or stepped on your toes. You know, he reassured me, like, no, he wasn't feeling that. But often, I wanted, I didn't, it, it tasted like mustard to me. You know, I, I wanted to follow up and make sure, you know. I, I've, I, I've had conversations with Jen like that, but, and I appreciate the way she responds. I just told her that this morning. You know, I remember at VBS, there was a time where Jen said something to me, and I kind of like snapped back at her or gave this really snarky, we were at VBS, and, and I gave her this really snarky comment back. And, 
And then I like taught the class. I was in VBS and like I was super convicted at the end. And I went back <laughs> and I was like, oh, dang. So I just went and was like, Jen, I'm sorry that I said this to you in this way, you know. And uh, just we need to be aware of this and mindful of this. This is, you know, this is the light we're going to talk about here. You know, for, this, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Idolater? So they're equating the sin of me looking at, you know, me looking at lustful images on the internet to worshiping false gods. Well, in the time when Paul was preaching, those things went hand in hand. Right? So in the Greek world, sex was a right. Denying yourself sex was the, was the severest restriction you could lay upon yourself. Right? Sex was a part of worship in the pagan world. Prostitution built the temples. And so he's saying, so Paul's saying, like, when you are doing this and you are involving yourself, you are involving yourself in the world that built idolatry. And so the word for a, a sexually immoral person in the Greek is this. This is the word pornos. Look familiar? Alright, so this is the word that is used to describe these people. So he's saying like if you are a pornos, you're worshiping false gods. And idolatry is serious. We need to be mindful like it's, you know, in the Ten Commandments, right? It's right there at the top. Like we don't worship false gods. it's a trap. And I get it. You know, I shared a little bit about this, but, but pleasure is so alluring. And maybe that pleasure isn't sexual sin. Maybe that pleasure is something else. But when we feed into it, it's a trap. So what do we do? Right? So first off, in, in verse 6, it says, let no one deceive you with empty words, because, uh, for because of such things, God's wrath is coming on those who are disobedient. Like, don't make light of it. Right? Like, anyone who said, like, I remember even, like, being open with, with dudes, like, when I was, like, in, in the midst of my sexual sin, and brothers would be like, oh, it's okay. No, it's not! It's not okay. When we, like, or, hey, everybody does it. That doesn't make it okay. This is William Barclay. This is a, a theologian that I really like. And he says, the gravest disservice any man can do to a fellow man is to make him think lightly of sin. Paul pleaded with his converts not to be deceived with empty words which took the horror from the idea of sin. Therefore, not, therefore do not be partners with them. We read this in the NIV. We read this word partners, right? And a lot of times we can think, well, okay, I'm just not going to associate with sinful people. Well, I associate with sinful people every day especially this guy, you know? And so the word partners, right? I wanted to talk about this real, just real quick. It's this word, symmetricus, okay? It's where we get the word symmetry, right? Symmetrical. And so this means to be sharers, co-participants, or, par- or partakers. So it doesn't mean like, you know, don't have your, you know, don't have your gay coworker over for dinner. That's not what it means. It means don't join people in their sin. You know, and I think it's actually, I'm more likely to join people in their sin, you know, than, 
than, those, than, than other, other things I might be doing that I might think, oh, I just won't be partners with them. Or, you know, I won't be a, like in the teaching situation, oh, I won't have a, you know, I won't have a, 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 pagan, a pagan co-teacher, you know, or anything like that. But it needs to look more like, I'm just not going to participate in the sins. Verse 8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the, uh, light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. This is where the light comes in, right? We've got to bring the light in and expose those things. You know, in verse 11, it says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Right? So exposing them. So, so expose the sin. Man, some of us are really good at exposing sin. You know, what's this mean? Well, does it mean to point out all the sin in the world? Pointing out the sin in the world is like telling somebody how wet the ocean is. It's pretty obvious, right? Does it mean that we point out the faults in others? Maybe. Being aware of these things, even how sinful the world is and being aware of that, is very important. But the things that we're called to expose, right? The things in our own heart. When we dig down deep, what's really there? Like, what is my sin? Where am I falling short? And making sure that we even have people in our lives, you know, who we can talk to about this stuff. When I'm in touch with that, I'm going to be way more humble when it comes time to help others with their sin. Verse 12 says, It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. So, not until I started like putting even this lesson together did I ever even apply this to things like gossip. Right? Like, what business is it of mine to share your sin with somebody? But I, you know what I want to do? I want to be the dude who, who, I want you to know everything. I want you to know the good, the bad, and the ugly about me. Because the light, like I said, the light is the most important thing to me. Verse 13. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Now, this is a toy... This is it. Everett's covering his face. Because this was Everett's toy when he was a kid, and it was Jen's before that. And so this is a glow worm, okay? I used to babysit Evan and Freddie when they were, like, super little. And we would play this game where they would take the, they would take the little glow worm toy, because it's one of those toys where you hold it up to the light, and then it glows, right? So what we would do is they would take the glow worm, and they would go over, and they would hold it up under the lampshade, Right? And then, and then we'd run down the hall where it was dark and we would watch it. Right? And then it would fade. So this thing was exposed to the light and because it was exposed to the light it would become the light. And the very same thing happens to us. God is light. When we are fully exposed to God we too can become the light. With no secrets. No shame. 
No fear of being found out. So, this guy here, all right, this is a gentleman from the Detroit area. His name is Marshall Mathers, better known to the world as Eminem. I talk about this a lot because it's, and I'm, it's interesting. It's like, yeah, he talks about all those things Chad said not to talk about, right? And he does all those things Chad said not to do. Okay, that's a good example. Well, the thing I want to say is like, this guy is a prime example of something that we are supposed to do. This guy is like, he started off in Detroit as what is called battle rap. That's where you got two guys go against each other, and they try to come up with the most cutting things, the most, you know, just try to, to destroy one another with their words, okay, in the most creative ways possible. And this guy is a master at that. And the best thing that he does is he disarms his adversary before he has a chance to say one word against him. Because what he'll do is, like, he was this, like, skinny white kid in Detroit, right? And got picked on and beat up and had all these things that these guys can say against him and make fun of him and demean him and talk about. So what he does is, the, you know, growing up in a trailer park and, you know, his mom was a drug addict. And, like, so when people find this stuff out, they, like, throw it into their, their you know, into their battle raps against him. So he just steps up, first thing he does, he's like, well, let's just put all the cards on the table, let me just say all those things. And he disarms his adversary by putting anything out on the table that the other guy would have said about him. And it's the same way with us. We have that opportunity to disarm our adversary. Everything that we could keep hidden and and locked away, that we don't want to be exposed, that we're afraid or ashamed that is going to come out, well, let's just put it out on the table and deal with it. Bring it into the light. Expose it to the light so we can become the light. Sin loses its power and even loosens its grip when it's exposed. Watching TV and I saw this image of a, of a, of a woman and I was like just sitting there grading papers, right? And, and I saw this Im- I had the TV on in the background. I saw this image of a woman. I thought, man, I should turn this off. I'm like, whatever, let me just keep grading. And then I found myself, like, just every once in a while, I'd look up at the TV, if, and it was just like, every once in a while, I would see something. I thought, dang it, this is awful. So I told my wife about it, and I thought, okay, I feel like it's lost some of its grip, but, it's, but I still found myself, like, like it still had some grip on me. So I, so I texted a handful of the brothers and told, told them, you know, I'm like, okay, doing a little better. And then uh, that Sunday, a teen brother comes up to me, and he asked me, like, hey, Chad, how's your purity going? And I was like, well, we're all pretty good, but here, let me tell you about this situation. And I found myself, like, the more I talked about it, I might have been able to, I might think about it a little more intellectually, but what I found was the more I exposed it, the less of a grip it had on my heart. Verse 14 says, This is why it's said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This would have been like a, you know, it's funny because people are like, where where is this? Why it is said? Where is this? Is it in the Old Testament? Is this something like Jesus said that didn't get recorded? No one actually knows. People think it's probably part of uh, a baptismal hymn for when people got baptized. And so, but but it's true. Like, Like, we need to wake up. We need to be aware of what's actually going on around us. 
right? Let Christ shine on us so that we too can be that light. We'll close out with the rest of uh, the section. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not, be, uh, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So guys, just be mindful of these things. Like, and, and to not, I really appreciate how Paul closes this section because he's, he's, he's really imploring us to not operate like the world, right? So like we think about like the world, I, and when he talks about you know, like the, involving alcohol in it and getting drunk and letting, you know, like letting that, because that, letting alcohol or drunkenness get involved and be like the core of you know, relationships, I grew up in a I grew up in a in a situation where my family like that was it. It was everything. Every family gathering revolved around drinking. And people would drink too much and they would say things that later they regretted. But maybe even they were too ashamed to admit that they regretted and it destroyed relationships. But instead Paul is saying the like cuz we think about like alcohol. Mark Kang said this uh a couple weeks ago, he came to Ann Arbor and talked about alcohol and, and just talked about the influence. What, like, when you're drunk, we call that being under the influence of alcohol, right? And so, instead of being under the, that influence, let's be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Let that guide our lives. Let us, you know, stay in that state of self-control that the Holy Spirit brings so that we can be that light to the world. Thanks for having me, family. Love you guys. Uh, I had one last slide. Oh, there we go. Thank you, dude. Love you, man. Love you, dude. Amen. Thank you so much, Chad. We totally appreciate that. Guys, I'm just going to do our, uh, our communion. Um, I wanted to go back to actually a scripture that uh, Chad started with. 